A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show. Your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravalli. Welcome into a January 4th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Talia Remchuk sitting in the host chair. That is Frank Saravalli. Frank, I think we'd call this playing your off wing, no? <laughs> the old switcheroo. Uh, hey, necessitated these times. Uh, lots going on in the world. Steve Greeley leaving. Bryce Salvador taking on increased duties with the New Jersey Devils and MSG Network. Uh, hey, uh, it's it's nice to have, hand off the hosting capabilities uh, or duties to someone that has the capability like yourself. So happy to be teed up instead of being the one teeing up. I suppose you could say in COVID times, I've been recalled from the taxi squad. So let's jump right into it. We got about 25 minutes of straight hockey talk to bring you. So let's put two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with a story that was, well, all over hockey Twitter yesterday. What in the world is going on with the Edmonton Oilers? Their losing streak continued with a loss to the Rangers last night. And after the game, Dave Tippett visibly frustrated. Let's take a listen into that. I thought we did a lot of things well tonight. Our goaltender wasn't very good and we didn't uh, find enough pucks at the net to uh to get us back in the game you there's been talk of starts in this for this team you know they get you know they get a power play early in the first period they don't score on it but they score about five minutes into the game then about this three were, what do you what do you want to do? like what do you I mean, it's it, a brutal it, mistake it, it, it's a brutal mistake what are you going to do yeah right call it what it is <laughs> we're playing well it's a brutal mistake call it what it is Dave Tippett referencing the mistake made by Miko Koskinen behind the Oilers net. His second of the game, actually, because on the first shift of the game, he fired a puck over the glass and took a penalty. But Frank, that was a clearly frustrated Dave Tippett, and it's a sign of how hot things are getting in Edmonton. Yeah, you know what? I also think that it's a desperate plea for a goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, you look at where they're at in this season, we can talk a lot about you know, some of the roster construction issues that remain for this team, the pressure that's on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to produce, uh, you know, what the Oilers have or frankly what they don't have when those two guys and the power play isn't clicking. But fixing the goaltending would seem to be a pretty easy thing to do given the fact that, you know, they've got Mike Smith, who's clearly showing his age with his, his injury uh, history this season. And they're in a spot where they 
they can't afford to miss the playoffs. That has to be the A number one thing. And so it's one of two things when you hear a coach react that way. It's either he's completely exasperated and he doesn't have another card to play other than to show the frustration. But when you listen to Dave Tippett talk and you hear him say, we're playing well, but it's clearly on the goaltending. Well, that's a, that's the coach sending a signal to the general manager that something needs to be done. They cannot continue to trot out Miko Koskinen for a significant chunk of games. And I guess the question is, how does Ken Holland and the Oilers go about resolving that? Yeah, and Mike McKenna touched on it a little bit yesterday. The goalie with the best numbers, Stuart Skinner, is sitting in the American League. So that appears to be a pretty easy short-term solution for the Oilers. Bring up the guy who's actually stolen a few games for you, but there's a lot of problems with this Oilers team, and it's not necessarily a short-term thing. We'll see if something gives eventually in Edmonton. Let's move on to the team that beat the Oilers yesterday, Frank, and a group that's on the totally opposite end of the spectrum in the New York Rangers, who are now first in the NHL in points and fourth in points percentage. I think a lot of Rangers fans, Frank, were hoping coming into this year, this team would take the jump into being a playoff contender. Now some are saying, have they taken a bigger jump and are they cup contenders? Is that a little premature? Do you think they've taken that big of a leap? Well, I think they've shown that they can take the leap. My question is, does the team itself believe it? And I, I think the results would probably speak for themselves in terms of how well they've played. Uh, you, you just look at this production. Again, doing it last night against the Oilers without Artemi Panarin. They beat the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning in dominating fashion a few days before that. Um, you see Chris Kreider hit the 20-goal mark. And so... I'm not ready to put them in the Stanley Cup contender conversation yet. I still think that there's a ways to go for this team. And, and I think that's probably the scary thing for the rest of the Metropolitan Division, Tyler, is that you see the production, you see the capability, you see the goaltending in Igor Shesterkin. But what would this team look like if you got more scoring from Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco? How different would this team look all of a sudden instead of being two lines deep, you go three lines deep? And so I think there's room to grow. I don't think they're quite there yet, but certainly they're trending in that direction. And they have all of the foundational pieces, which, by the way, most of them were put in place by Jeff Gordon, who's now in Montreal to be in that conversation and to, to even be asking that question at this point, it feels like not that long ago that the New York Rangers were sending out the letter to their fan base in 2018 saying, Hey, we're tearing this thing down. It's going to be a complete, complete rebuild. Yeah. And it's really felt like quite a fast rebuild from the outside. The other thing to keep an eye on, you mentioned getting production from guys like Lafreniere and Kako, but I wonder what this team could do with the deadline and their current GM, Chris Drury. I mean, they have their first round pick this year. They have two second rounders this year as well because of the Pavel Buchnevich trade with St. Louis. And they have every one of their draft picks next draft as well. So maybe a team that, you know, yeah, they could get some more production from pieces that are currently in their lineup. But Frank, I also wonder if this could be a group that's maybe a little bit active before that eventual trade deadline. Yeah, I don't know that they're going to be trading a lot of futures, given that this team is so young and there's a lot of room for growth. I think maybe the Oilers going back to 2017 and, and not taking advantage of some of those chances are, are a good example as to why you, you certainly don't want to pass up on opportunities. But I don't know that they're at the point now where they're trading futures in order to try and get better. I think the scary thing for the Rangers is that they're going to have some increased cap space as well in the summer uh, with some of that dead cap money going away. 
Certainly a team to watch as we head throughout the rest of the season. Frank, not ready to label them as cup contenders, but that's a nice little tie into our next segment and the teams that you are willing to label as cup contenders, Frank. And let's flash up the list here. Why don't you uh, give us the five that you're keeping an eye on in a segment we like to do every once in a while here on the show? Yeah, it's like our monthly check-in on our Stanley Cup contenders. And it's interesting to see how the list evolves. Um, for me, watching the Tampa Bay Lightning and the way that they've played over the last month as the two-time defending champs, I think everyone was kind of curious, how would this team look this season without Yanni Gord, without Barkley Goodrow, without Blake Coleman, without Tyler Johnson? And the, the key answer is they haven't missed a beat. That team is seemingly phased by nothing. They've added Corey Perry, who's soon to pass, uh, you know, the last four seasons that he's had in terms of productivity. And they're every bit as tough and difficult to play against. Their goaltender is still just as good. They've still got Victor Hedman. So I'm not willing to pass up uh, on the Tampa Bay Lightning and their, the idea of them three-peating. I don't know that... People are looking at the Colorado Avalanche necessarily. Everyone in heading into the season certainly was uh, as a true legitimate Stanley Cup contender, but they've actually been quite good. They're further down in the standings because people aren't sorting by points percentage. Still at the top of the Western Conference in terms of points percentage, they've played five or six fewer games than almost every team. They just need to get healthy. The, all the guys that they've missed in their lineup this year, and they've kind of all happened in bunches where a lot of them are out at the same time, that it's been tough to fully evaluate Colorado, but I think they're right there. St. Louis has taken some big steps. Vegas has gotten things in order and probably are only going to get better with Eichel. And the Florida Panthers are just a difficult team to play against. Who do you have? See, and I, I went with Vegas at number one over Tampa Bay for a few reasons. You mentioned Vegas. They're only going to get better with Jack Eichel. And the one caveat here is I would hope that they can make it to the playoffs or Vegas should be hoping they can make it to the playoffs without having to offload too much to stay cap compliant. But if they can, I mean, that's center depth where you're going Eichel, then Carlson, then Stevenson, then Nicholas Waugh. Like, that's four pretty good centermen. Their wing depth is good. On the blue line, they have three solid defenders and a number one goalie in Robin Leonard. And I just kind of look at that and I go, what, what more could you want from a team? Like if they can get to the playoffs with this current group that they have and everyone healthy, I think that's a team who, if they peak at the right time, I, I, I just look around, never mind the entire league. I look at the Western Conference and go, who's going to take down this group? So that's why I went with Vegas at number one, Tampa Bay right behind them at two. And then, you know, I, I was giving some love to the Rangers last segment, so I obviously had to work them in to uh, to my list as well in the five spot. Neither one of us picking a Canadian team, the Leafs, the Flames, obviously the Oilers uh, didn't get any love from either one of us. So I, I, I thought long and hard about the Leafs. I just think with everything yeah. else going on, I'm curious to see what happens here in the second half of the season. Speaking of major hardware, let's talk about the big individual award now in the Hart Trophy. And I mean, for a while there is through kind of November and then I guess right up until December started, it was a lot of would it be McDavid or Drysaddle. And Alex Ovechkin was kind of third on that list. Is he taking a jump up here? There's no question. The way that Alex Ovechkin has played this season, adding the assist component to his prodigious productivity that he's, you know, continues to fill the net at his age. He's seemingly turned back the clock. Um, and so he's an easy number one choice for me in terms of the Hart Trophy. Yes. Um, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid have had fantastic seasons, uh, obviously in a bit of a slump here for their standards over the last number of weeks. Um, but these two guys, in some ways, I think will cancel each other out in terms of the voting. Um, I think that's an interesting proposition moving forward. I always struggle with this argument, Tyler, is 
how could, you know, two guys from the same team end up as finalists or even on the ballot uh, with the Hart Trophy, given that the the clarification or the definition of the rule is you are the most valuable player in the league. So if you're the most valuable player in the league, how could someone else be that close on your own team? Um, so it, it's a difficult argument. I'm, I'm curious to see how other voters are going to perceive it. But Johnny Gaudreau um, gets the number four spot for me. You hear Daryl Sutter say recently that he's playing the best 200-foot game of his career. Kiro Kaprizov in, in Minnesota and the job that he's done putting that team on the map, uh, they've scuffled of late, but I think they're a team that uh, I thought long and hard about putting on my cup contender list as well. Who makes your top five at this point? Yeah, for me, I stuck with Leon Dreisaitl at number one. And I think, you know, with the way things are rolling right now in Edmonton, it's easily to knock down Dreisaitl and McDavid in that list and put Ovechkin at one. But if Edmonton didn't have that hot start, they would be just scrambling right now. And that hot start was on the back of Leon Dreisaitl with 20 goals in 20 games. So when I look at the bulk of the season, I still kind of go, you know, if they didn't get those 20 games from Dreisaitl where he was insanely productive, the situation in Edmonton would be a whole lot worse than it is right now, but it was really close. I really wrestled between Dreisaitl and Ovechkin. Ovechkin has 13 more goals than anyone else on the Capitals. I mean, that production right there is just absolutely insane. He's second in the NHL in goals. I agree with you on Kaprizov having him in my top five. I, I really like what he's doing and 11 more points than anyone on that wild team as well. And then, you know, I was a little worried we weren't giving enough love to Toronto, Frank. So I had to work in a little Austin Matthews at number five <laughs> on my ballot. We don't need to Honestly, at us for that one. Yeah, no, you're right about that. But the one thing that I was thinking about is what do you do with the defenseman? Does an Adam Fox or a Victor Hedman do do any of those guys begin to sneak onto your ballot? That's certainly something we're going to have to watch over the next number of months. Let's keep the train rolling here and dig into some insider analysis from Frank with a new edition of Icebreakers. All right, Frank, we got three big topics kind of lined up here. And to start things off, let's go north of the border where the Canucks and Habs are still searching for a GM. Now that we're in the new year, are you expecting things to heat up in 2022 on both those fronts? Yeah, in a big way, pretty quickly, too, certainly from the Vancouver Canucks perspective. Um, and frankly, from Montreal as well. You think back to the press conference that Jeff Molson and Jeff Gordon had saying, hey, we'd like to have someone in place after the holidays. Well, as reported earlier this week, they have sought and gotten permission from three teams to speak to Daniel Briere, Roberto Luongo and Matthew Darsh. The situation is a little bit more murky in terms of exactly who the Vancouver Canucks will be talking to. I believe there are five people on Jim Rutherford's list for that GM opening. One of them, and and I believe the front runner for the job, is Patrick Alvine from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, he worked with Jim Rutherford, of course, in Pittsburgh for a while, uh, developed that rapport and that relationship. Um, and so I, I think he's going to be a candidate that really stands out among the rest. The big holdup there in Vancouver, um, I think Jim Rutherford is anxious and interested to move forward and get someone in this position so he can begin to make tweaks together with that GM 
in terms of who the Canucks will have in place. But the Aquilini family, the holidays, do we do this on Zoom? Do we do it in person? Certainly, this person is going to have to be someone that the Aquilinis are comfortable with as well. So that process is going to unfold, I believe, beginning next week. And I think that we have a general manager hired for both of these positions in Montreal and Vancouver before the end of the month. I wouldn't be surprised to see it shape up here in the next couple of weeks. Always love to see some big news potentially being made. John Chaika is our second topic. He was suspended for conduct detrimental to the league. That suspension is now over, Frank. Does Chaika, will will he be back in the NHL picture anytime soon? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. How quickly, I I think ultimately John Chaika will end up getting another job in the National Hockey League somewhere, some way. Um, I do think that the period that had gone on with the suspension, you know, very quietly ending uh, with the new year starting, um, has sort of put John Chaika back on the radar again. Um, I think the circumstances in which he left Arizona, clearly his side of the story is different than ownership side of the story. And then the suspension that was levied by Commissioner Gary Bettman had sort of taken him out of the picture completely. But I believe that a couple teams with openings have reached out to John Chaika in the last number of days. Uh, you hear Jim Rutherford describe the opening in Vancouver. He said that it's more of an entry-level uh, general manager's job. He doesn't seem to be looking at someone that has GM experience on his resume in terms of the five people that he's talking to or scheduled to talk to. But in this case, moving forward, um, I do think that there would be interest in John Chaika to at least explore the conversation uh, with a couple of the other teams that have GM openings. The Chicago Blackhawks would potentially be one, Anaheim Ducks another, and those those two searches are moving at a much slower pace than the ones in Montreal and Vancouver. And quickly, Frank, to wrap up this segment, the Penguins are absolutely rolling right now. Could they potentially be getting Evgeny Malkin back soon as well? Very soon. I'm told it's a matter of days. I would suspect in the next week here that we see Evgeny Malkin back with the Pittsburgh Penguins in game action. He's been practicing with the team for a while. Uh, A couple weeks back, he had the uh, no contact jersey removed. He skated on the second line and practiced today. Keep an eye on the corresponding roster moves that the Penguins would have to make. My guess is they'd probably have to waive a couple guys in order to be cap compliant when they do activate Evgeny Malkin. So uh, keep an eye on the waiver wire or potentially the trade front uh, for the Penguins as they have to activate Malkin. We'll be interesting to keep an eye on Penguins fans. Certainly excited to see Malkin back in the lineup and uh, people who stashed him away in their fantasy hockey leagues. Also probably a little bit excited about that. This has been another great edition of Icebreakers with Frank Saravalli. Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, you can send them in hashtag AskDFO, which is exactly what original Puzar did. And when I sent out the call saying, hey, got any questions for Frank? Let us know. I mean, Frank, Oilers fans want answers right now. So we're going back to another Oilers topic here in OP asking, realistically, what's the poison pill for a team with cap space to take on Miko Koskinen's deal? What would it cost for them to take on the $4.5 million for the rest of the season? Frank, do you have an answer for Oilers fans in this regard? Yeah, I think surprisingly, the answer is not all that much. It's probably a draft pick in order to make something like that happen. Uh, I could think of a couple teams that could use a goaltender, uh, Arizona being one that has a cap space. You know, cap space is no problem, no issue for them. They're a team that's looking to stockpile picks. They've got plenty. 
you know, why not see if you can find something in, in Miko Koskinen? And I think the key for the Oilers, as, as disappointing as Koskinen's play has been this season, is that they got through it this year, or at least they're going to. They bit the bullet one more year. They were thinking about buying him out. Now they won't have any dead cap money moving forward. It was tough at 4.5 again this year. And, you know, probably uh, Peter Shirelli was sitting there watching that game last night between the Oilers and Rangers, seeing Strom score, see, seeing Koskinen play so poorly. Two of the uh, toughest moves for Oiler fans to swallow in the last reigning uh, weeks of of Peter Shirelli's tenure in, in Edmonton uh, come come home to roost uh, in that game at Madison Square Garden. But in this sense, um, I don't think it's going to be as difficult as fans would think, given that it's an expiring contract and they're halfway through the season almost uh, to get a team to bite on Miko Koskinen and get him out of there. The interesting thing, you mentioned draft picks. The Oilers dealt their third rounder in the Duncan Keith deal, and their second round pick is actually locked up in that trade as well. And uh, speaking of Shirelli, he also made sure Miko Koskinen had some trade protection. 15-team no-trade clause for Miko Koskinen still sitting on that deal. So you would imagine if the choice for Koskinen was going down to the American League or just agreeing to be traded anywhere in the NHL, you would imagine that decision's pretty easy, but Koskinen does potentially have some control on where he goes let's move along now to our daily bet segment courtesy of our friends over at points bet and the oilers let me down big time the rangers did their part they scored enough goals to hit that over zach hyman didn't get a point the oilers didn't really do much offensively the under hits we go over two but i look to bounce back tonight with three plays on the slate courtesy of points bet and let's start with a matchup between the columbus blue jackets and tampa bay lightning where the lightning are getting healthy they're pretty much back to their normal group without nikita kucherov the jackets on the other hand no Merzlikens, no Wierenski, no alexander tessier so i'm taking the lightning on the puck line at plus money i think it's a healthy team that could beat up on a team that's battling some injuries right now so lightning on the puck line is my first play for my second play, Frank, you know I love to say it. It's a beautiful day to make money off the Arizona Coyotes, and I am taking the Jets on the puck line. There is a chance Jacob Chikrin returns in this game for the Arizona Coyotes, but even if he does, that doesn't move the needle too much for me in this matchup. I think this is a Jets team that can uh, continue to pick up wins. I like them on the puck line here as well. And my player prop, we're going to the matchup that's listed right on top of it between the Avalanche and the Blackhawks. I like Nazem Kadri to pick up an assist in this game. He has seven assists in his last four games. He's also picked up an apple in seven of his last 10. This is plus money, and I think the Avs are going to score tonight. The Hawks have allowed 11 goals against in their last two games since returning from the pause. I like the Avs to score. I like Kadri to get involved with an assist, and plus money is tremendous value. Looking for a sweep tonight, Frank. Yeah, I like the Jets on the puck line too. It's uh, they're a team that needs points. You got to take every advantage that you can. The Coyotes six wins in thirty games. Difficult to do. So I like the Jets there. Let's get to garbage time. And Tyler, I will cede the floor to you. What do you got? What's caught your eye around the NHL? Yeah, I was uh, going through Twitter and a bit of a quiet time in the NHL, obviously, with not a lot of games on last night. But Morgan C. Ross sent out a video that we're going to flash up here. And I just thought this was so cool. I guess the video has been around for a few years, but I'd never seen it as a young hockey fan for me, someone born in 1997. 
to get colorized video of a game from 30 years before I was born. It's a full two and a half minute video. We won't play the whole thing. But again, Morgan C. Ross on Twitter has it. I was just mesmerized. Like I watched the full two and a half minutes like three times last night. And I'm just that was you, the guy with the sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I just thought this was so cool. Like, look at the scrap as well. All of it. I don't know. I just as a young hockey fan getting to see hockey from 30 years before I was born. I just thought it was the coolest thing. So I wanted to flash it up during my garbage time. Yeah, I love that. So many wild things to think about. It's not just the lack of helmets and and sometimes lack of helmets for goaltenders as well to see how low the glass is, to see no advertising on the boards, to see how many ways the game has changed since then, the equipment, everything else. Uh, Certainly love that you're a student of the game as well. So pretty decent garbage time for you. Certainly that footage is not garbage. And uh, I don't think this show was garbage either, Frank. I had a ton of fun sliding into the host chair. Going to do it again later this week as well. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. And that's going to be a wrap on the January 4th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. We'll talk again tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.